All right, well, good morning again, everybody. My name is Pastor Gene. If you don't know me, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet this morning, I get the privilege of pastoring this church, and it is a privilege to be here with you guys this morning, and I'm glad you all have joined us this morning. If you're a visitor with us this morning, you should have received a connection card when you came in. Um, take a moment to fill that out. Uh, there's a spot on it as well that if you have prayer requests, you have something you need prayer for, go ahead and put that on there because we believe prayer changes things, not necessarily the act of words, but who we're praying to. So we want to become a place here at Bridge Church where you can just connect. Come in as you are. God accepts us as we are. We want you to be real. Understand we're all broken. We prayed it this morning. We're all broken. God's the one putting us back together. So come in here. Don't think you have to act a certain way. But I guarantee when you come in here expecting God to show up, you won't leave the same. Because that's the God we serve. We serve a God who transforms. Because I truly believe there is no better life than a life lived on mission with Jesus. I truly believe you will never find a more purposeful way to live life than to just become who God called you to be. Not trying to be like anybody else, but just being who God called you to be and to do what he's called you to become. Now to get into my message this morning, um, and for those who are going to be listening to us on Facebook Live, uh, it's just, I, again, I'm excited about what God's doing right now. Last Sunday was one of those Sundays, and I'm going to just be transparent with you guys for a second. Last Sunday was one of those Sundays at the end of service my heart was breaking. We talked about how we have to stop going to church and we have to get planted in the church. And how so many people today are going through the motions of religion. And God never came to start a religion. He came to re-give us the relationship that we had lost in the garden. And when we don't understand that, and we think because we show up for one hour on Sunday, you know, great, I'm a Christian. Well, God's word says, you'll know you're my disciples when you obey my commands. Not when you show up for an hour on Sunday. Not when you sit down and read through your Bible as fast as you can in five minutes to get through your daily reading. Not because you helped six old ladies across the street. Now, all of that is good. But that will flow out of your relationship that you get when you're planted in the house of God. We talked about how God's highest calling for you as a follower of Christ was never to go to a church. It's, it wasn't to go to a building. God's highest calling isn't a destination that you go to. It's to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that means we all need to be transformed into the image of Christ. This side of heaven, we all have room to grow. But here's the thing about God's love. He loves us too much to leave us where we're at. He never asked you to come into church Sunday morning and just add him to your life. He said, I want to change and transform your life. I love you too much to leave you where you're at. Now, all you parents kind of get that, don't you? We see our kids doing something wrong. We don't want them to continue to do it, not because we don't want them to do it, but because we know it's probably not the best idea, and we love them. We want what's best for our children. And we're going to get into today's message in a moment, and that's really what today's message is about, is even if an earthly father knows to give good gifts to his children, how much more does a perfect heavenly father know to give gifts to his kids? And that's what we are. We're his kids. 
I can remember my daughter. We used to do a prayer room years ago. And we would get together at the end of the prayer room and take about five to seven minutes to just kind of pray for blessings over the church. She got some weird looks because she would start her prayers with dear Papa. How many of you guys look at God as your Papa? That's what Abba means, is Daddy. When you come to your Father, do you come to Him with that type of love? And I got some kickback from some people because how dare this 14-year-old girl pray like that, sacrilegious, calling God Papa? How many of you parents wouldn't love for your kids to jump on your lap, give you a kiss, and say, hello, Papa? Hello, Mama? Yeah. How much more do you think a heavenly father loves that thought process from his children? So we, we talked about getting planted in God's church. We talked about what it takes to flourish in his church and that we need light and water and soil and how Jesus is called the living water, how the Holy Spirit brings the fire and the heat to help grow, how when we surrender our hearts to God, he can create a fertile soil so the word can take root and grow. I don't want to be like, you know, when the far farmer was out, the parable we read last week where he's out spreading seeds. I don't want to be that rocky soil that when I come into church, I'm not ready to hear from God. That's what worship is. Praise and worship prepares our hearts to receive from God. And so this week we're going to actually, well, next week, just to give you a preview, next week we're going to talk about stop reading because we're in a series called Stop Signs. Next week we're going to talk about stop reading your Bible. We need to stop going through the motions of just reading some words and actually let God's word transform us. But today as we get into this, and, and we want to, the title of the message is Stop Praying. If you need a subtitle for that so you don't get too freaked out by the fact you think I'm telling you to stop praying, I basically wrote down and said, you need to stop talking at God and start talking with God. Okay, let me say that again. It might, it might have just went over. We need to stop talking at God. God, please take care of this for me. Please take care of this for me. God, please do this for me. God, please save that person. God, do change them, God. God, do this. God, do that. God, God, God. We ask God to do a lot of things, and we're talking at him. We're not conversing with him. Prayer was always meant to be a two-way street. And I love this verse out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, as I was reading that verse and meditating on that verse this week, what's that first part of that verse say? Those people who are called by my name. You church-going people. Not the people who aren't here. When my, my people, when my people turn and humble themselves. That slapped me in the back of the head when I read that. Because it wasn't written for the people who weren't here this morning. It was written for the people who already knew who God was. And he said, if they will humble themselves, they will seek my face, then I'll show up. 
We all want revival. But ain't none of you want the mess that comes with it. It's easy to sit in our chairs and say we want God to change things until somebody comes in and it changes our dynamics. Somebody sat in my seat. How dare they? Thankfully, we have to set seats up every week so you don't know how it's going to look every week. So you can't have an assigned seat here. But I have been part of that. I don't know if any of you guys have been. I've been part of that where I went to a church that we changed them around one time and some people freaked out because they didn't know where to sit because we had moved their chair. We had another time they got mad at a new couple who came in and they sat in their chair. And they sat behind them and meat mugged them almost the whole service. I'm like, seriously? We, we say we want God to show up and do things, but then God shows up and does things and we don't like it because it messes with our comfort. And so when we understand when we seek God's face, when we turn from our wicked ways, when we turn from our pride, when we turn from our backbiting, when we turn from our gossip, then God can show up and heal our land. And you don't think our, our land needs healing right now? Just turn on any news you look at. The devil is working overtime on creating discourse. And why? Because I think I'm right. I think they're wrong. I think I should be right. I think I should be left. I could, should be conservative. I should be liberal. I should be an elephant. I should be a donkey. And Jesus said, I'm none of that. I'm the son of God. More and more arguments. It's harder to go on Facebook nowadays because every other post is somebody complaining about what somebody else did to them. Well, how about this? God never complained to you about what you did to him. God never complained about you when he sent his son to die for you. How about we stop complaining about other people and we start loving people and we start communicating with the Father and let the Father transform our hearts? We need to stop praying. We need to stop looking at God as somebody who's going to take care of everything for us. I was talking to a, another pastor one time, and you ever talk to that person who had said they were called to missions, and then they went out and tried to do missions, and it horribly failed, and then they came back and blamed God for it? And it's about, how about it was your stupid decision that failed at it? I, I discovered something about a year ago. There's a difference between purpose and passion. God's given you a purpose, but it may not, your long-term purpose may not be what you're passionate about right now. And I learned that from my daughter, who has a passion for the lost in Chicago, but it was never her purpose to be out there in full-time ministry. And when we step out of our purpose to pursue a passion that God never never created us to do full-time, it can burn us out. It can tire us out. And that's when we have to step back, sit down with God, and say, okay, God, I stepped ahead of you. Talk to me. We're gonna, I'm going to challenge you guys at the end of, end of the message today. I'm just warning you now. When's the last time you took just two minutes in silence? and listened to God. I used to do a prayer thing at night, and I actually started doing it again this week, where I lay down in my bed at night, and I say, okay, God, I got nothing. Talk to me. 
and I sit and listen for God. So we're going to take two, just two minutes today before we take communion to listen to God. Because if prayer is supposed to be a two-way street, it means somebody else is supposed to be talking. When we stop going to God and we stop calling what we're doing prayer and when we stop talking at God, we start having communion with God. You know, we're going to take communion today. And the basis of communion is communing. It means coming together. And that really is the basis of all prayer, is about coming together with our Heavenly Father. There are some reasons I want to look at today, as well as some, some times that we struggle with prayer and, I, and why that is. How many of you guys here, if I told you to recite Matthew 6, 9 through 13 to me, could? How many of you guys don't know what that is, but if I started out for you, our Father who art in heaven, now you can recite it. It's a well-recited prayer. Some people, it's, I mean, it's so well-recited, there have been cases that somebody just thought it was an old prayer from the past. It has become so commonplace that we've lost the awe of the Lord's prayer and what it truly means. We recite it. Our Father who art in heaven, God of David, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, we just go through the motions. I used to have to do it to go to sleep at night. I'm like, okay, I didn't pray yet. I got to say my prayer. So it's, it's become second nature. Well, it's also found in Luke 11. And in Luke 11, and in, starting in verse 1, it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Okay, so the Son of Man, who came from the Father, is in a certain place talking with the Father. He's, he's showing us how to do this. Many times in Scripture you can find where it says Jesus went out early in the morning by himself to pray, to spend time with the Father. I read this one quote one time, this one meme, that Jesus never wrestled all night with God to get a sermon. He wrestled to talk with God, to talk with his Father, and a sermon came out of it. When we spend time talking to the Father, what you're going to say to the person you work with is no longer a struggle because the Father's already spoke to your heart and told you how to speak to them. And so once as Jesus was praying in a certain place, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John's disciple, as John taught his disciples to pray. <clears throat> how many of you guys ever done that? Gone to your prayer time and say, God, teach me to pray. A few. Who knows better to pray than the Father? And so they came up. They said, Jesus, we, we want you to teach us. You got a key to something here, so teach us how to pray. Love Jesus' response. He didn't give them step one, two, three. And in one version it says, when you pray, pray like this. So it wasn't if they were going to pray, but it's the fact it should be part of your normal routine to talk to the Father. 
And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. It's a simple prayer. Jesus could have gone on with a huge prayer to teach his disciples. The thief on the cross had a simple prayer. Too often, and just before this and just after this, Jesus warns the disciples, you know, don't say a lot of words. Don't do a lot of things like the Gentiles do. Don't speak a lot like the Pharisees do, repeating words and murmuring. He said, don't make it more difficult than it is. Have a real conversation. And when he starts this off, and Brad H. Young made a statement, he said, even though Jesus taught his disciples this prayer in Hebrew, in an entirely different setting nearly two millennia ago, the petition contained in this short prayer transcend time and are appropriate for the modern-day disciple. Today, perhaps more than ever before, Jesus' followers need to be challenged again to respond to his message. I like that because it challenges us as a church to get back to what's real. It challenges us as individual disciples to reevaluate how we're doing things. It's challenging us to grow. The first question you really need to answer when we pray is, what do you think God is like? If you're not sure, look at how you pray. Look at your prayers, and it'll tell you something about how you see God as a father. The first one we kind of talked about, that magic genie just there to grant my requests, that medicine chest God. We come to God when we're struggling with something and say, God, fix this. I know it was my stupid mistake, but take care of it for me. God, I'm fat and overweight. Help me lose weight. And I go to McDonald's. God, I'm going to pray over this Cheeto, turn it into a vegetable. We ask God to fix our mistakes. And we expect him to show up. And when he doesn't show up, we get upset. God, why am I not losing weight? Why is this going on with me? Why is this? And why, why is my life seem to be falling apart? Because of your choices. We can't blame God. And we definitely got to stop blaming the devil for everything. Because I'm sorry. Yes, he is a liar. His job is to cheat, steal, kill, and destroy. I get all that. But have you ever met those people that they got to cast the devil out of everything? A light bulb goes out. Dear God, take the devil out that light bulb. It ain't the devil's fault. Change the light bulb. Stop blaming God the devil for choices we're making. Oh, it's, I, and I find myself doing it. That's why I'm excited about this. Because I'm like, Gene, you just did that yesterday. You Not casting the devil out of things. I just think that's just silly. Because I know the devil don't stand up against my God. So that's not an issue with me. But I do pray over some dumb things that I've done. Say, God, help me get out of debt. Here's an idea. Go get a job. That'll help you get out of debt. I can remember once, pre-salvation, being a little transparent here, don't get too freaked out, where I had to go to jail. And before I went to court, I did the normal thing. God, keep me out of jail. Do whatever you need to do. 
You know, I understand I'm responsible for my consequences. See, I knew enough about God. I knew to pray. I knew God could fix things. Guess what? I went to jail for eight days. God didn't fix it. It was my stupid mistake. We got to stop expecting God to be a genie that's just going to grant our requests. Some of you go to God and feel shame. You feel guilt about your mistakes. The devil's got you so bound up inside, blaming you for your past, and you believe him. Because there the devil will come in and lie to you and remind you of your past mistakes. And so how do we pray? We pray shamed to a father that we think is a disciplinarian waiting to punish us for screwing up. That's not the father we serve. Now, will he punish us? A good father does. Is he waiting for us to screw up to punish us? No. So we got to stop coming to God that way. And some of you actually have a hard time spending time, any time in prayer for two reasons. You either don't take the time to pray or you think he isn't listening. And that's probably the biggest issue today because the currency of today's world is busyness. How busy can I make my schedule? We're not intentional about when we wake up in the morning. And I was actually talking to a, a pastor friend of mine this week about it. And he said, share this with your congregation. He goes, I wake up in the morning and I lay there for five minutes before I get out of bed and I talk to God. He had one person tell him he was lazy, just didn't want to get out of bed. Take time. Be intentional. Spend some time listening to what God says. I believe when we have a correct view of who God is, we can praise him for who he is. And then we can pray and talk with him like we should. We have to have a correct view of God. Because 1 John 5.14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Some of our prayers don't get answered because God's protecting us from something he knows is coming. Some of God's most grace-filled grace answers are no. Matthew 6, 8, right before, right before the Lord's Prayer, our prayer, disciples' prayer says, Jesus says, don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. I watched, I watched a message one time. People put in their prayer requests. He took all their prayer requests and tore them all up and dropped them on the floor and says, you know, God already knows about that. What does God want us to pray about? When's the last time we just went to God and said, what's your will? When's the last time we just went to God and say, we love you for who you are? 